Christ alone our cornerstone. Wow. I want you to turn to the person next to you, and I want you to tell them, I need you. Real quickly. One, two, three, go. I need you. And we are dismissed. No, just kidding. Just kidding. <clears throat> think about that for the rest of the week, yeah. I, I want to thank you for the privilege of being able to share God's message with you this morning. Uh, it is such a joy, and, and just want to thank Brother John. Uh, no, he's out in the high altitudes, and, and, and it's been a little rough, but we've been praying for him, and he's going to do this, folks. He's going to make amen. this, so amen. And, but I just want to thank him. I want to thank you. Uh, it's always a privilege for me to be able to share God's love, his word, uh, to anyone that is willing and ready to listen. I know some of you this morning are here, and, and you didn't want to be here this morning, and that's okay. I know some of you are here and, and wondering, why did I even come this morning? Um, and, and before I go on, let me say, bienvenidos a, a nuestros hermanos del Ministerio Hispano. I want to say welcome to all our brothers and sisters in the Hispanic ministry. Thank you for being here. Thank you for supporting. Gracias por apoyar. Les amo. I love you. And uh, we will continue on y continuaremos hacia adelante. Um, so... We're going to be talking about the church this morning. And that is why I wanted you to understand, first and foremost, that we need each other. Amen. See, it's funny how, as we go through this long story, we see that God started it all with a beautiful creation, and he put two trees in the garden, the tree of life and the tree of knowledge, which leads to death. And it's funny how from there, there was chaos. Sin enters in. And, 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 and I know we've always done, a, a, everybody that's preached has done a review, and I'm going to try to make mine just as, as, as quickly as possible. So there was chaos. The enemy comes in, Satan comes in, and he begins to lie and, and, and get Eve to partake in something that she knows she shouldn't be involved in. And then, in order to fix that, there has, God makes a promise. God makes a promise that he's going to reconcile. He's going to make nations of, of, of Abraham and, and of Moses, and, and, and they're going to come, and they're going to, God's going to lead them out, and he's going to be with them constantly. He will never leave them. And then finally, God reveals the reconciliation that he will use to build the bridge that has been broken, and his name is Jesus Christ. Amen. And it's really cool how if you follow this whole steps of what God did here, it leads to what we're going to be talking about today, and it leads to the church. Because yes, Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. Jesus Christ is the source of the reconciliation, of connecting us back directly with God, but there's still work to be done. And the cool thing is that God wants to use you, 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 and you, and me to be able to continue to reach people so that they also can find the reconciliation to God through your life and my life, through what God calls his church. Amen. I want you to turn with me. I, I want you to think about something first and foremost. For those of you old school BBS, Vacation Bible Schoolers, how many of you remember the old little song uh, that says, uh, there's a church on top of a hill? Remember that? They had the motions, and you got the church, and you got the pew and the bench, and there's a Bible. Uh, if you've worked in VBS at any amount of time, I've worked since I was, I, I've worked, I've, I've helped in VBS uh, since I was a child. And I don't know about you, but if you have had the privilege 
of growing up in a family that from nursery you were brought up in church, man, you are blessed beyond blessed. You are blessed beyond blessed. And if you haven't, then I encourage you, if you are a parent today, parent today, I encourage you to bring your children to church. Get them involved in what God does through his people so that when they become our age, they can look back and remember songs like Church on Top of a Hill and, and do all the motions, no, so that they can know what it is to experience life together as God's people. That was a really cool song. There's a church on top of a hill, and it had the real cool little motions, and everybody liked it. The kids all got into it. But here's the thing. As great a song as that was, that does not give the biblical description of what God, God has called his church to be. It talks about articles inside of the church, a Bible, a pew, people. Yeah, that's good. That's true. Those things are all in there. But that's not what the Bible tells us the church is. Now, don't get me wrong before you start throwing me out because I don't like church on top of a hill. I do like church on top of a hill, and I also like Baby Shark, if that means anything to you. But, that, <laughs> but, but that's a whole other story. Um, but anyway, God has called us to be his church. And I want to make three points. We could make tons and tons and tons of points, and, and, and we could talk about the church from now till Jesus comes back because there's so much to know, so much to grow in. But I just want to cover three short points this morning. And the first one is going to be what the church is not. Tres puntos que quiero cubrir esta mañana. El primero es lo que no es la iglesia. Vamos a estar en Mateo capítulo 16, versículos 13 al 18. And I'm just telling the folks in Spanish so they can follow along in their, their uh, outline. I'm going to say Matthew 16, 13 through 18 is where we were going to be starting. Vamos a comenzar allí. Mateo 16, 13 al 18. And I'm not going to be preaching bilingual as I normally do. No voy a estar predicando bilingüe como normalmente lo hago. But if I go into that mode, forgive me, I'm just so used to doing that. Um, so, but I'll try, I'll, I'll try to keep it, I'll try to keep it all in English as much as possible. But we're going to cover what the church is not this morning. We're going to see what the church is, and we're going to see the church and me, which is what I have titled the message here this morning. Lo que no es la iglesia, lo que es la iglesia, y terceramente, la iglesia y yo. So let's first talk about what the church is not. And I want to get this just out in the clear. I want to make sure everybody understands this. See, for some of you, this is just a review, but we need to review these things in our lives continuously. But the church is not this building. Never was intended to be. God never had in mind that. What does God want with stone and brick and mortar? What's he going to do with that? The church is not a building. La iglesia no es un edificio. The church is you, you. The stadium seating, you, 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 you. It's us, it's me, it's you working together and giving. Amen. Giving in love. So first and foremost, the church is not a building. Now in your outline, if you've got your bulletins, what the church is not, the church is not an entertainment center. So if you've got your outline, you can put in there in your bulletin, the church is not an entertainment center. 
In John chapter 2, 13 through 16, that is a story where Jesus clears the temple. People were there trying to take advantage of others. People were there for, to sell them uh, things that weren't even worth bringing to sacrifice, almost of entertainment, to, so that they could get gain. That is not what the church is for. The church is not, and listen to me closely, the church is not a social club where we can come to get that warm, fuzzy feeling with our friends, where we can come and, and, and just, it's good to be together, guys. Don't get me wrong. Please don't misinterpret what I'm saying. But the, the main focus of coming to church is not to get a warm, fuzzy feeling, not so that the church can entertain me. How good is the music this morning? How good is the preaching going to be this morning? How, the church is not an area of criticism. It's not a place where you come to judge. It's not a place where you come to criticize what's happening, what's not happening. That is not what the church is. The church is not a pick apart. It's not a place where I can choose that which I like and whatever I don't like, I just won't get involved in. No. If you're doing that, stop. If you're doing that, stop. God has called his church to be united. God has called his people to be one in body and in spirit with him. And we are to work together. We are to support in areas. Now, I understand, folks, you can't be involved in everything, and we understand that. But as much as possible, to give of yourself to God so that he can open channels and areas of opportunity for you to be of a blessing to that person that you just told, I need you. You know why you need them? Because there's going to be a point in your life where you need that person too. Amen. And contrary to popular belief, as I just mentioned, church is not a filler, filler up station. It's not where I come and just gimme, 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 gimme. As a matter of fact, that is an erroneous view of the church. If you're truly going to be the church, if I am truly going to be the church, my desire should be, what do you need? What can I do for you? And we're going to see that a little bit further in Scripture. We're going to see that in just a few moments. What can I give for you? What can I help you with? What problem do you have that I might be able to come alongside you and help you grow in what God wants to do in your life? And the church, this is a good one. And this one sometimes is tough for us. Sometimes we like to think, that's my pew. <laughs> well, I didn't think I'd get many laughs on that one. How many of you, boys? Some of you, a lot of you have a pew. Let's see. <laughs> that's my pew. That's my Sunday school chair. That's my class. That's my whatever. No, 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 no. You have nothing. I have nothing. First, uh, let, let me fill you in on a little secret. The church is not yours, and the church is not mine, nor will it ever be. It belongs to Jesus Christ. He is the cornerstone that we just sung about. He is the cornerstone that we are going to read about here in this passage in Matthew 16. And lastly, the church is not an option for the believer. It's a must. Okay? Hear me clearly. The church is not an option for the believer. It is a must. What does the book of Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 tell us? Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. 
This is the church. And let us consider Hebreos, 24, Hebreos 10, 24 y 25. Nos dice, And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So what is Jesus telling us here? What is the writer of Hebrews directing us to do? He says, come, be a part, join in, be encapsulated with the people that God has chosen to turn a world of chaos and darkness upside down. That is an awesome awesome responsibility and the coolest thing that you will ever see so these are things that the church is not the church is not an entertainment center what is the church in Matthew 13 Matthew 16 I'm sorry verses 13 through 18 let's read that real quickly now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi he was asking his disciples who do the people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, but still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, or son of Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Amen. So before we get into these verses of 13 to 18, I want to kind of set the stage of what's happening. See, if you read beforehand, Jesus had just had a conversation with the Pharisees and Sadducees. And here's the thing, you know, we always want to kick the Pharisees and the Sadducees and, and talk about how horrible they were, and, and, and I don't know, maybe it makes us feel better, or who knows, you know, but, but we want to talk about, now here's the thing about the Pharisees and Sadducees. They taught from the Torah. So they were teaching the Word of God. In most cases, not always, but in most cases, we're always teaching the Word of God. Here's the problem. What they were teaching and what they were doing were two complete, totally different things. And the problem with the church today is what the church is teaching and what the church is saying from their lips out, but what the church is actually doing are unfortunately two totally different things. Ouch. I know this hurts. I didn't like it either. I had to prepare it. <laughs> but it's true. So see, we've got people in our churches today been in church for, I don't know, 20 some odd years, maybe longer. And they're still the same today as they were 20 years ago. See, I'm here to bring you the word of God, my brothers and sisters, because I love you. I'm not here to condemn. I'm not here to judge. I'm just here to tell you what God's word says. And I'm here to motivate you to understand that we have such an awesome opportunity and privilege through Jesus Christ to be called his sons and to be called his church that God has a specific task for each and every one of us. 
So the question is, are you willing and are you ready? And see, what saddens me the most, thank you, brother, for those amens. Thank you for those amens. But what saddens me in the church is when we say stuff like that, we get, amen, amen. And then we wonder, why is there chaos in Odessa? Why is there chaos all over the world? Why are there shootings? And, 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 and I try to wrap this thing around my brain and, and try to figure out what is going on in these people's lives. And I have no other answer than, you know what, they need Jesus. And they need a church that is going to stand up, and they need a church that is going to be able to be an example of who Jesus Christ is supposed to be so that when they come to the church, they will feel loved. The saddest thing I hear ever is when somebody comes, man, I go to your church, and I just don't feel it. I don't feel, it just doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel, well, let's, let's be honest. Every church is not for everybody, and we understand that. But you know what? Every person that walks through our doors should feel the compassion of Jesus. Everybody who walks through our doors should know that we serve a risen Savior and that we profess, just as Peter did, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen. And when that's not happening, folks, we got a problem. So that's the background. So Jesus was telling them, he says, disciples, they get in a boat and they go across the lake and he tells them, disciples, I want, you to be, I want you to be cautious of something. I want you to pay attention to something. Be careful of the teaching of the false teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. See, we have a lot of people in our churches who know the smile, you know, that good Christian smile, hey, know the handshake you know that real cool handshake whatever you do and 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 young people it's the same thing don't get caught up in the motions don't get caught up in all the emotion of what it is to be i love coming because i want to be with my friends well that's great that's cool you should enjoy being with your brothers and sisters in christ but the question is what are you doing for your brother and sister that is drawing them and helping them draw closer to jesus christ while you're here or are we talking about the gossip that we did or the things that went on in school or are we talking about the things that are going on in somebody's life or who broke up with who and all that you know that's 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 your thing but but you know just but it's that's not what church is about church is about what did hebrews 10 24 tell us stirring one another up stimulating one another up in jesus christ that is our focus that should be our focus and that is where we need to be as a church a body of christ all right, now let's get back to the passage. Back to the passage. So Jesus asked his disciples a pretty simple question here, guys. And this is really cool. I don't know if you catch what's going on here, but when I was looking at this, I was like, wow, Jesus is so phenomenally awesome and smart and brilliant. He asked them a question. Who do the people say that I am? Well, you know, if the disciples had been paying any attention to the crowds, they would, already, they would have had this answer. And the thing is, they did. They knew the right answer. You know, it's like being in school, and, and when you know the answer, you're like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, but I'm going to ace this test. You know, you raise your hand because you know the right answer, and you want to answer. Yeah, 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 teacher, please, please, me, 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 me. I, I know the answer. So all of them, I would imagine, raise their hand and say, oh, Jesus, well, they're saying you're Elijah. They're saying that you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. They're saying that maybe you're even John the Baptist who was already dead. They said, you know, had come back to life. They're, they're just saying all kinds of stuff. Jesus, that's who they're saying you are. And Jesus like, oh, yeah, interesting. But see, then Jesus does something that they totally didn't expect. Because the easiest thing for me to do is talk about somebody else. Because it draws the attention off this. Right? 
The easiest thing for me to do is talk about what's maybe messed up in your life, maybe what's not right with you, or because or, 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 the disciples, they were like, yeah, yeah, Jesus, that's what they're saying. They're, they're messed up. They're wrong. But then Jesus, man, very wisely makes it so personal. And he goes to the disciples. He, I'm sure he looked at every single one of the 12, and he's looking at them. He goes, but you, 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 who do you say that I am? See, it's a whole different ball game now. That's a monster curveball. Who do you say that I am? And I would imagine that maybe there was one or two that wanted to raise the hand. You remember being in school and you think you kind of know the answer, but you're not 100%, so the hand kind of does this motion. You know, you want to raise it up, raise it up. I'm not sure, not sure. And then you look to the other guy to hope maybe that they'll say something so that the tension's drawn off you. And, and so I imagine that's how tight the tension was at that moment. And of course, Peter's the leader. And, is, and anyone that knows Peter and who studied scripture knows that Peter was open foot, insert, open mouth, insert foot. But for once, finally, for once, Peter gets it right. Peter is by the Spirit of God. He's able to answer something so profound, a statement so profound that it will probably be one of the statements that he will make on this earth that is so awesome, honest, and true. And what does Peter tell Jesus? He says, Jesus, you, you are the Son. You are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the rescuer. You are the true son of the living God, the only son of the living God. Here, folks, let me pause right here and just tell you this. Until you come to understand that Jesus Christ is the son of our true God, only God, there's not going to be much change to look forward to. See, I, I, I can tell you that I've seen God do so many things in my life. God, now they haven't always been fun. Man, I've gone through some doozies, and I'm sure you have too. And they're not always fun. But one thing I can promise you, one thing I can tell you without a doubt, one thing I can let you know wholeheartedly is this, that Jesus Christ has never left my side. Because I know that Jesus Christ is my Messiah. Jesus Christ is my rescuer. Jesus Christ is the son of the living God in my life. Hallelujah. And I have been so overly blessed by understanding and accepting that. And I have seen Jesus do things in my life and I've seen Jesus do things in your life. For Pete's sake, what am I doing here? <laughs> Honestly, what am I doing here? Just a little Hispanic kid from Southside that came in, <laughs> that came in and, 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 and thank God for Pastor Michael Haley one day that, that I was here doing a funeral for my brother. I wasn't even preaching then. I wasn't even a, a pastoring then. And I don't even know why Mike Haley was in the funeral. Is Brother Mike Haley here? I don't know if he's here or not, but there he is. Yeah, Brother Pastor Haley, I just love this man. I don't even know why he was here in the funeral. He didn't know me. He didn't know my brother, and I'll make this quick and short, but, but he's sitting there and... and one thing leads to another, and here we are. God is faithful. God is awesome. God wants to use his church when his people are connected directly to him because he will show us miracles and put us in places, guys, that for others, it's a mystery. Amen. It is a mystery. 
See, that's what I love about our God. We do things that people can't understand. The church of God fulfills things in this world that people cannot understand. For instance, 1 Corinthians 2, verses 7 through 10. 1 Corinthians 2, verses 7 through 10 tell us this. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery. The hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory. The wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood. For if they had understood it, they would, have crucif- they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But just as it is written, things which the eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. Wow. We are allowed to see things, to experience things, mysteries that the world just looks dumbfounded and says, why? That's just amazing. So let's talk about this statement that Peter makes. He says, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. Entonces Pedro le dice a Cristo, tú eres el Cristo, el Hijo del Dios viviente. What does that mean? ¿Qué significa eso? Here's the thing. And then Peter, and then what does Jesus tell him? Then Jesus says, you are the Christ, the son, Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Now we're talking about, we sang about a cornerstone. Now we're talking about stones. Now we're talking, okay, let's, let's kind of slow this down just a little bit. Jesus tells Peter, you are Peter. I don't know if you know this, but in the Greek, Peter, or another word for it is Petros, means stone or pebble. Little, little, little stone, pebble. This is real important. You need to catch this. Peter means stone or little pebble. And then Jesus goes on to say, you are Peter, and on this rock, which rock? The little stone? If Jesus is going to establish something that is going to be, something that is going to survive eternally, if Jesus is going to establish something that is going to live eternally, is he going to make the foundation that's going to last eternal on a little pebble, on a little stone? I would hope not. I would hope not. See, Jesus is not telling Peter, and this is where a lot of religions get this messed up. They they misinterpret this. A lot of religions teach that Peter is the foundation of the church. That is not, if you study this further, that is not what this passage is saying. Peter is not the foundation of the church of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the foundation. See, Peter, when Jesus says, you are Peter, he's saying, Peter, you are a little pebble. Guess what, guys? You and I are little stones. We are little pebbles. 
And it's awesome to be a little pebble. I wish I had a little rock for each and every one of you that you could just be a reminder every day in your pocket. I'm a little pebble, I'm a little stone. And, And what Jesus is telling Peter here, he's saying, Peter, you are this little stone. You are a rock. But based on the statement that you just made, which is really the solid rock, the statement was that I, Jesus, am the Christ. I am the son of the living God, on that rock, Peter, on that statement, Peter, that you just made, that's where I'm going to build. That's going to be the foundation of my church. I am, Peter, the foundation of the church. You, Peter, are just another little stone that's going to be built on top of the foundation of who I am. That's who we are. We are little stones that, is be, that are being built on a foundation that is immovable. It is eternally immovable. You belong to a body of Christ that is immovable, that not even the gates of hell can destroy. Isn't that awesome? That is like the coolest thing. That is just so cool. So get this. So see, the word for rock, the solid rock, a huge rock is Petra. Jesus is the Petra, the humongous rock, huge like this stage. He's the Petra, and Peter was the little stone. Again, don't lose focus of this. You and me, we are Petros. We are the small stones that continue. But you know what's cool about small stones? As you start putting them together, as you start getting them blue and cementing them together, using mortar, whatever, then it starts to create something. See, we are on the foundation. We are on the Petra. And when we are built on the Petra, our foundation is solid on that Petra, then the little Petros, the little rocks, then start to take form, and it starts to form this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful church that is going to be used to reach many across this world. So when Jesus declares, on this rock, the word in the Greek is Petra, on this rock, Jesus, he's referring to himself, He's verifying the statement that Peter had made. Not that Peter is the solid rock. No, what he's saying is Jesus is the solid rock and you, Peter, are the stones, the little stones that will continue to build my church. The beauty of it is there's always room on the Petra for another Petros. There's always room on the big rock to have another little rock, little stone, join in. That's the beauty of the church of God. We see a word here in the Greek also that is used, and it's called ekklesia. Now, ekklesia is a word for the church. For its, its actual meaning is a gathering of an assembly like what we're doing today. The word ekklesia means a called-out assembly. Now, this word was not a word. This is, in this case... Referring to a church, this is the first time we see this word referred to as the church. But it wasn't a word that was unheard of. The disciples knew of this word, and so did many other people. It was used a lot. They used to use ecclesia whenever, for instance, they would have a gathering at the gates, whenever they were making some sort of court ruling, whenever they were gathering for some sort of uh, citizen uh, or district Um, type of of, of business, they would use the word ecclesia. We're going to have an ecclesia. We're going to have a gathering of people, of an assembly. So it wasn't foreign to them. Now, it's real interesting, though. This is the first time, though, that it is used to refer to the local church or to refer to a church. And, And here's the cool thing. It's used 114 times in the New Testament. 
114 times in the New Testament. And in 90 of the, of, of the 114 times, it is used as the local church. But the cool thing about ecclesia, when Jesus uses it here, upon this rock, upon me, upon Jesus, I will build my church. See, Jesus wasn't looking at Hallmark Baptist Church. He wasn't just looking at the churches down the road. He wasn't just looking. He was looking at, and he was making reference to, the universal church around the world. The universal church around the world, which you and I, your little stone, your little stone on the Petra, on the big rock, is part of the universal church that surrounds this entire globe. Isn't that cool? See, are you starting to figure out how cool being a part of a body of believers in Jesus Christ is? We are huge. It is awesome. God reaches and touches all over the world. So, however, in the first use of Ecclesia, it seems that Jesus had just, again, he was in, had in mind the universal church. Now, the universal church is composed of this. The universal church is composed of those who, like Peter recognize that Jesus is the Christ and Jesus is the Son, the true and only Son of God. In order to be a part of the ecclesia, the universal church, you must confess and profess by faith, just as Peter did, that Jesus Christ is the Messiah and he is the true son of the living God, the only son of the living God. Then you will become part of the ecclesia. You will join in with your brothers and sisters who will be with you to help you move forward in times of difficulty, in times of joy, in times of happiness. My question to you is this morning, are you part of the ecclesia? Is your little stone been placed and set upon the Petra of Jesus Christ? Is your life, which is the little stone, is my life, which is the little stone, have I placed it on the Petra of Jesus? Have I placed it on the solid rock of Jesus Christ so that I now become part of this universal church that God uses to change lives all over the world? If, if not, then why? See, it's time we stop playing church. You've heard this many times before, but it's so true. It's time we stop playing church, and it's time we become the church. It's time we start seeing with compassion in our eyes, the compassion of Jesus. It's time that we start understanding that we do have the answer. Now, we can't fix every major problem in the world, but we need to understand we have the only answer that everybody is looking for. The question is, are you sharing it? And if you are not part of the ecclesia, there is no possible way that you could share it anyway. Bring your stone, bring your little pebble, bring your little life and place it on the Petra, on the humongous rock, the solid rock that Jesus Christ is so that you too will make a difference in a world that is in doom and chaos. So, for number two, what is the church? The church is you, and the church is me, and the church is not a building. And if you've thought that for a long time, or if that was somewhere in your mind, get it out. The church is you, the church is me, with our lives connected to the life of Jesus. That is the church. Now let's go to the church and me. Number three, 
And I love 1 Peter 2, verses 9 through 10. Again, 1 Peter chapter 2, chapter, I'm sorry, 1 Peter chapter 2, that is correct, chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. Primera de Pedro 2, capítulo 2, versículos 9 al 10. You know this verse if you've been in church for any amount of time. And I want to tell you something about church. As I, as I was praying and as I was preparing, something came to mind. And I started thinking of my life in church. And I started thinking of all the great times that I have had in church. And man, I've had some awesome times in church, some just most hilarious times. With many of you, I've served. With many of you uh, in the past, even other people that I've had the joy of experiencing life with. And it's been just phenomenal. But with many of you, I've shared some really difficult experiences. And so have you with some of your brothers and sisters. And it's not easy. It rips your heart out. So I, I started thinking about this, and I said, when church becomes an integral part of your life, there will be moments of heartfelt pain. But likewise, when church is a part of your life, there will most often be moments of unexplainable heartfelt joy and celebration that only those in the family of God will ever understand. Let's read that again. When church becomes an integral part of your life, there's going to be moments, man, that are going to wrench your heart and they're just going to turn and squeeze it so tight and it's going to hurt and it's going to almost feel like it's ripped out of your chest. You know why, guys? Because when church becomes that integral, it becomes a part of who you are. It hurts. Think about it. It's like one of your kids. Nobody likes it. Those of us that are parents, we don't like it when our kids go through difficult times. We wish we could just reach in and we, just re we wish we could just make things so much better, but there's times that we can't do anything and our heart just breaks and twists and it feels so awful. And we feel so alone sometimes and we feel like we have nowhere to go. But in the midst of all that difficulty, there's going to be moments that are so unexplainable and so awesome that you're going to have such a heartfelt joy that the world's not going to understand. The world's not going to know why you can be happy even in that heart-wrenched moment that you're going through and it's so difficult. The world's not going to know why, but you're going to know why because your stone, your life was placed and is placed on that Petra and there's nothing that's going to move you from the hand and the mighty protection of God himself. Amen. So God builds his church. On, Jesus built his church on him. And if you think about it, it's kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy that Jesus would use a group of unequipped, unexperienced men to take on such a huge responsibility. Think about it. This is a universal task. We said Jesus was thinking of the universal church when he had ecclesia, when he had the church in mind. He's thinking of a universal task, and, and we're talking big time here. And you're asking a group of people with no experience, you're asking a people with not even an idea to take on a task that's going to impact the entire world? Are you kidding me? For Pete's sake, most of them were fishermen. You had a tax collector, and we all know how we love those guys. Yeah. 
You had liars in the mix. You, you even had one that was going to betray Jesus himself. And these are the men that Jesus is going to use to change the world. See, God uses, hey, and this will be the third one on your outline, God uses a chosen people and a royal priesthood. You are a, I am a royal priesthood in Jesus Christ. Jesus uses these guys who are going to turn the world upside down so that sinners can be reconciled to God and fulfill his plan for his church. It's kind of like this, if to make it to help you understand this a little bit better. You know, I wasn't always, I'm, I'm not, you can look at me and tell, I'm not, I was never the biggest guy on the team, but, but I, I didn't necessarily expect, there were, I would get picked when I was on a team, usually at the end, but not the very end, because for one thing, for those that knew me, I wasn't big, but I was really fast, and I had pretty decent hands in playing football, so I would at least get picked on the team, but I was kind of towards the end there, maybe second to the last guy or something. But if you're second to the last or last, you know how that feels kind of messed up, doesn't it? It's not the best feeling in the world. Well, that's kind of what it's like here. It's kind of, you know, Jesus is picking not the men who, for instance, Man, if I was picking this, if, if this is going to impact the universe and impact the world, I'm picking the smart business guy. I'm picking the politician who's got some awesome connections for me so that, hey, hopefully down the road we can use this, right? It's going to come in handy at some point. Uh, I'm going to pick the guy that has the, the deep pockets so in case we need something or, you know, so, so we don't have to go through the mess of turning, uh, you know, fish into lots of fish for, to feed 5,000 people and, and little loaves of bread so we can just buy it all and be done with it, right? No, no, I'm just kidding. Jesus did a mighty miracle through that. But what I'm saying is I'm going to pick the best of the best because I want a solid team. You know, fantasy football has just started. And I don't think that you'd want Jesus to pick your fantasy football team. It, it just wouldn't work out so good. You know, he's picking the, the last of the guys, so you, would, you probably wouldn't want Jesus picking your fantasy football team. But um, anyway, let's go back. So Jesus picks these unequipped, unequipped, unprepared, unexperienced men to take on a task that is going to take on to reconcile the world back to Jesus Christ. Not that they're going to do the reconciliation. They're just going to be the tool that Jesus uses. You and I are the tool that Jesus uses to bring a world that is in darkness and chaos to reconcile, to know and understand that they need to be reconciled to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. The cool thing is this. The good news is this. That you and I are that unequipped and unexperienced and unprofessional group of people. No, that's not the good news. The, the good news is, the good news is this: that in our inexperience, in our being unequipped, in our being talented enough to do something, gives me hope that Jesus can do, still do a mighty work through who He is on behalf of my life and on behalf of your life when he is in our life. See, that just tells me, again, that the mysteries of God are things that the normal person can't understand, but they're things that God will use. What does he say? He will use the foolishness of this world to confound the wise of this world.
So then, God says we are a priesthood. God says that we are a chosen people. When I am on the Petra, when my stone is on the Petra, when my life is placed and set upon the solid rock of Jesus Christ, then God can do something in my life through the church. So what is my part in the church? See, Peter tells us, and he says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. What is my part in the church? Peter says that we are a holy nation to be set apart. Holy means to be set apart. Holy means that there is a particular task that I have been set apart for. Now, here's the thing. In order to be set apart for something, you have to belong to something. You can't be set apart for use if you have no reason to be set apart for. You have to belong to something. You have to belong to something. God says in verse 9 that we are his special possession. If you are in Jesus Christ, you belong to God. You are his special possession. Therefore, you have been set apart. I have been set apart to do a task, a special task that he has already called out for you to do. We are to be set apart to declare the praises. What does Peter tell us here? We are to be set apart to declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into wonderful light. So I'm going to ask you. We are set apart to declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. So then the question is, how's your light been shining lately church how has your light been shining lately I want to read this in Spanish because I want them to get this too pero vosotros sois linaje escogido real sacerdocio nación santa pueblo adquirido para posesión de Dios a fin de que anunciéis las virtudes de aquel que os llamó de las tinieblas a su luz admirable pues vosotros en otro tiempo no eréis pueblo pero ahora sois el pueblo de Dios no habéis recibido misericordia pero ahora re habéis recibido misericordia mi pregunta para ti es estás brillando como iglesia la luz de Cristo We are called to shine a wonderful light. We are a priesthood, guys. Yes, you know, and, and not as the certain religions see it, not as the Catholicism sees it where the priest is the one you have to come and bring. No, we are all priests through Jesus Christ. He wants to use us. You know what the responsibility of the priest was? The responsibility of the priest was to intervene on behalf of the people before God. 
to bring them, to help them worship, to help them understand that they needed forgiveness. They needed to come before God and they needed to have their sins forgiven by God. You as a priesthood, you as a royal priesthood by Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ, have the responsibility to be and to be a light to those around us so that they can have the opportunity to be reconciled to God, not because of who you are, but because of who Jesus Christ is in your life. Are you shining lately? Are you being a priest that is guiding people to the light of forgiveness? You know, when Jesus is teaching in chapter 5 of Matthew, Sermon on the Mount, he talks about salt and light. <clears throat> and when he talks about the light, it, it's funny. He's actually being a little humorous here. Because he tells the people, so you got to remember, there was no electricity back in that day. So people had lights, they had lamps, and they would light the lamp. And Jesus says, no one lights a lamp and sticks it on the floor or puts it under a bowl. You know, the people probably chuckled at that. They're like, Jesus, that's stupid. Who would do that? Nobody does that. And if it was on the floor, it wasn't going to give much light to begin with. And if it was covered, it was probably going to be turned off, and it was going to give no light at all. So they're probably chuckling at this when Jesus is saying, you know, even Jesus had a little bit of humor in him, so he, you know, Jesus was very funny too. So, so Jesus says, nobody puts a light and covers it. Nobody puts it on the floor. He says what they do is they get a lampstand and they put it high because you know what? The higher it is, the more it illuminates everything around it. The church is to be illuminating everything around it. We are to be the light of the world. So here's the thing. If we are to be the light of the world, then what our view of church is is very important. My attitude of what it means and what it is to be a part of the universal church of God is very important. I want you to think about this. If your idea of church is to come and sing a few songs, good songs. By the way, you guys worshiped awesome this morning. I was sitting here listening to it. Man, I was just being filled with praise to God. Thank you. Thank you for that. But if your idea of church is to come and sing a few songs, shake a few hands, and hear a good message, then chances are your light bulb is blown out follow me? If chances are, everyone, that you're going to come to church to sing a few good songs, to hear a good message, and shake a few hands, then chances are our light bulb has burned out. Don't get me wrong. It's good to come to church. It's great. I, you know, I'll be honest with you. On a Sunday morning, if I'm not at church, I feel really weird. I feel really out of place. Even if I'm on vacation, if I'm on a Sunday morning and I don't go to church, and now that doesn't mean that I'm constantly on vacation going to church, but, but even when I don't, I just feel like something's, just, something's messing, something's not right. Because I belong. 
my stone is saying, Jesus, I, wanna, I need to be on that rock. I, I need to be there with, my, with your people, Lord. I want to fellowship. I want to have, have a good time in you, Lord. I want to have celebration with the people of God, Lord. And when I'm not doing that, it doesn't feel right. I need that. And I hope that you do too. I hope your desire is always to be united with God's people. But don't get me wrong. It's good to come to church. But if all you expect while you're here is to receive and be entertained, and all you do is criticize rather than support and involve your life in serving God through serving others, then call it what you may, but church, it is not. Guys, if you're criticizing, please stop. Nobody likes everything. I understand that. I'm the same way. No, we don't all like it. If all you're doing is, is, is coming to church and, and, and wanting to see what church is going to do for you, please stop. Honestly, I'm going to be honest with you. You're better off just staying home in that, case, in that case. Not that we don't want you here. But if you're going to leave through these doors the same way that you came in, why did you come? See, church needs to be a life transformation experience and not an emotional experience. Amen. You got me? Church needs to be a life, like Ben says, hey, church isn't over, now it's time to go be the church. Well, you can't be the church if you haven't had any kind of life transformation experience the day that you are here with God's people. You've got to have something to take out to the rest of the world. And if you ain't got that life experience and change here within you, then what are you going to offer to somebody else that's out there who really needs to see that light shine? This is the true church. The true church is, in Acts chapter 2, you can look, and everybody knows this passage, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Hechos capítulo 2, del 42 al 47. And it says, they were continually talking about the church, talking about those stones that are placed on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common, and they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all, as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day who were being saved. You want to see this world transformed? You want to see them change? Start living the life that the church was called to live. This is the church. When, when the person sitting next to you is more important than you, you have become the true church of the living God. When you're ready to serve the needs of that person that is sitting next to you, you have become the true living church of God, and Jesus Christ is the Messiah of your life. He is the rescuer of your life. I want to leave you with this thought. See, in a sci-fi movie, 
The one that comes to mind is Close Encounters of the Third Kind. How many of you remember that movie, Close Encounters of the Third Kind? Did you know that movie was made in 1977? Some of our young people are going, man, were y'all still riding horseback back then? What's going on? <laughs> 1977, Close Encounters of the First Time. Then there was E.T., but, but, I, but I want you to picture something with me. I want you to get something in, in, in a sci-fi movie where there's a UFO. When the alien spaceship is coming down to Earth, there's always a great, great, great beam of light around that spaceship. And it surrounds the exterior of the ship. Everyone's attention cannot help but be drawn to that light. Now, you've seen the movie. You know what I'm talking about. It can't help but be drawn to that light. Now, as God's holy nation, as his royal priesthood in Jesus that we are, can you imagine the radiant light that we have the power of being to a world that is trapped in doom and darkness? It would not only attract... It would be blinding. People would look up and they couldn't even see. It would be so bright and so marvelous because the church is alive. The church is moving. The church is reaching. That's the church that you and I should desire to be. The church whose foundation is Petra. It's Jesus, the solid rock. Is that the church? Is that the foundation that you are on? Because if it's not, I want to give you and extend to you. Jesus wants to extend to you the opportunity this morning. I want you to stand with me, please. Maybe you're here this morning and in your heart you've come to realize that you want to be another Petros. You want to be another little stone added to the Petra, added to the solid rock of God's church. You see that great thing is about this. You see the great thing about this solid, huge rock, guys, is that Jesus is there and always is there room for somebody else to add another stone. Jesus is calling this morning. He's touched hearts this morning, I have no doubt. By confessing that you are a sinner before God and believing in your heart that God sent Jesus to forgive you of your sins, past, present, and future, just as Peter professed that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God, you will become a living stone in God's universal church and join with your new brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ who will love you, who will support you, and who will serve Jesus alongside you. Or maybe you're already a Petros. Maybe you're already a little stone. But here lately, your bulb has burned out. Your light's been flickering with very little power. Or maybe the little wires inside the bulb have now all broken off, and they're rattling inside that glass bulb. The power source has always been there, Jesus. But you're in need of a new bowl. It's time to stop flickering. And it's time to be like the Motel 6 commercial to the world. And say, we'll leave the light on for you. I want to invite you this morning as the praise team sings. If you need to make, there'll be men and women here to pray with you. To just lift up the holy name of Jesus together with you. But if you have not been the living church, the living stone that Jesus has called us to be, if you have not placed your, rock, your, your life on the solid rock, the foundation of Jesus Christ, the head of the church, then I invite you this morning. Please come.